0: We're going to wrap up the series we're in right now called Counselor, and then the next series kind of takes it a little bit further, and will take us through the next five weeks, which, you know what's coming up in five weeks? Easter, absolutely. Uh, it's hard to believe, it just seems like, man, it just seems like time's going fast, which is cool at this time of the year, right? So it's getting warmer. Yesterday, the last couple of days were just really awesome for those of us that like warm weather, but... Uh, so anyhow, uh, here in the next, or for, from next Sunday to the next five weeks, we're gonna be in a series called Famous Last Words, and we're gonna look at Jesus' last words as he was, uh, you know, at the, cr- dying on the cross, and, and right up to the cross. And, and it's just gonna be very powerful. I believe it takes us even deeper than where we've been with this counselor, because, because it really starts drilling down even more. Do we truly believe in this? And today we're gonna to talk about more of that. That sense of faith, you know, believing in what, you know, our sense of faith and and how deep it goes by a question he asked uh, the disciples after he was uh, resurrected. And so um, if you can recall, if you've been here the past few weeks, we started off with a question called, why are you so afraid? And that question, uh, we found the disciples in the boat, remember? Uh, they were jesus was on one side of the lake he was teaching and he wanted to go to the other side and they went out and jesus went to sleep in the back of the boat he was sleeping soundly peacefully and all this storm begins to as, as they were noted for this storm came up very quickly and began to almost capsize the boat and the disciples were absolutely afraid for their lot li- fearing, fearing their lives they go to jesus and like hey don't you even care and he wakes up and lays that million dollar question on them, why, why are you so afraid you know and again i think just as they're humans we are humans too i think we probably would have had the same emotions the same uh response it's like hey man we're going down uh this isn't good <laughs> this is not good we're going down and jesus asks again that question why, why are you so afraid you know and i think it's one of those questions it can be like a dumb moment like are you kidding me you know, are you not, not seeing what's going on? But how real is that in our lives, okay? We may, may not be on a literal boat where the storm's coming in, but, but you know, within our lives, how many of us are sitting in here this morning and there's something going on in our life where if Jesus doesn't show up or if something doesn't happen, we're going under. We're going under. And some of us in here this morning are feeling the same things that the disciples felt. It's like if something doesn't happen... My life is going to cease to exist. And Jesus is asking you guys that question, asking us that question, all of us that question. Why are you so afraid? And we may have that same response like, do you not see everything that's going on here? You know? But it's a real question. The second week we talked about Jesus um, healing the blind men. And Jesus came into town and the blind men, they just heard where He had raised uh, a girl from the dead. So he he's uh, he these blind men follow him into a certain house after that, and they ask him, you know, Jesus, heal us. And they say, you know, he says to them, or this one individual, do you believe that I can do this? And again, these are very <laughs> kind of duh questions, but they are very faith penetrating questions. Why are you so afraid? Second of all, do you truly believe that I can do this? Do you truly believe? That I can make this happen, that I can heal you, that I can give you your eyesight back. Do you truly believe it? And then last week we talked about the, we talked about a situation where if you remember, uh, just inside of Jerusalem, inside the gates and the sheep gate, there was this pool called the Pool of Bethesda. And at that pool, they believed that an angel would come once a year or or every so often. They didn't have, you know, like they couldn't set their, you know, uh, they, it wasn't like right on the spot, you know, it's going to happen on March 31st or whatever. But it was uh, if the angel came and stirred the waters, the first one in that water would be healed. Right. And there was a guy there. It was like, so you, you can imagine all the people surrounding this place wanting to get into this water, the very first thing. And there's this guy laying there for 38 years. And Jesus comes and he asks another one of those questions. Do you want to be made well? And, you know, for some of us, he's like, man, that's the stupidest question I've ever heard. But again, it's one of those questions that I think penetrates deeply. If we would just think about it for a second. Do you truly want to be well? Do you truly want to get well? How many of us are sitting in here this morning, that if Jesus asked us that question, what, how would we answer it? It's easy to say, well, yes. But do you realize that sometimes that means a complete rehaul of our customs, our traditions, our habits, um, our practices, our rituals, all that stuff? Because this thing has become our identity for so many years. This is who I've been. And Jesus is now saying, hey, we're going to eradicate that. We're going to change all of that. And you're going to become something completely different. So the question is, do you really want to get well? Because this back here that you know so well, this familiarity, this thing back here that you use to cope uh, or whatever it may be that you use to cope with everything it 's going to be vastly different because if you 're well you don 't need this stuff so now what do you you know do you truly want to get well today he 's asking another question and this question comes in the, it says who or why do doubts rise in your minds okay and this is another one of those times where a situation happens and then Jesus throws out that million dollar question and you just kind of sit back and you 're like man why in the world would he ever ask that question in a time like this? And so we have a video that we're going to run right now. And again, it just takes that question that happened uh, thousands of years ago and puts it in 21st uh, terms. So take a take a look at this video as it uh, makes it more real for you and I in our day and age.
1: Look, it's been a rough week, okay? Now they're saying they saw him. Like he just suddenly appeared in a locked room. Uh, They didn't believe it was him. But then he showed them his hands and asked, Why do doubts arise in your mind? What kind of question is that? Why did we doubt? We all saw him dead. Anyways, I told them that I will believe it when I see it. Later, we were all praying. And all of a sudden, Jesus, He looked at me like, like I was the only person in the room. He told me to touch His hands where the nail had went through, and on His side where the spirit pierced Him. He came just to tell me, stop doubting. And believe.
0: When it comes into, when it comes to believing in Jesus, you know, if I asked that question, said, "Hey, do you guys believe in Jesus?" You know, maybe I don't know. Maybe all of you would say, "Yes, I believe." Uh, for some of you, that belief may come easy. I, you know, for some of you, you may say, "There's really not a struggle for me." For others, they may say, you know what, just to be truthful with you, I'm more analytical, I'm, I want to break it down, I want to take a critical look at this, I want to hold it in my hands, I want to dissect it, I want to really take a look at each, each piece, each component, and, and, and for them, it may come a little bit more difficult to believe. There may be a little bit more skepticism there, and, it, and, that, and, and that's just the way it is, it's not like, I mean, it's just the way it is, it's the way they're wired. For some of us, we, we can just jump in and just say, well, I believe. For others, they, they want to look at it. They want to process it a little bit differently, and that's okay. But here's the issue. For some of us, or probably not all of us, if we would really, really, really be honest and, and very transparent and authentic, isn't there some doubts in there occasionally? I mean, do you ever like just sit and really think about it? Did God really create everything? Is there really a God Is there really a God? I mean, we're told that God created everything. We're told that in the beginning there was absolutely nothing. It was absolutely void. The only thing that's there, the only thing that was there was God. And God takes nothing and makes something out of it. Humanly speaking, does that make sense to you? There's nothing there, so He makes something to make something. How many of us, if we just stopped and really thought about it, and then we say, well, where'd God come from? I mean, you know, for some of us, it's like, well, I can't think that way. I can't think about it. Because when you start thinking about it, it's like you want to question things. Or, you know, kind of, it's just mind-boggling, and you can't put it all together. For some of us, it may be that simple where we just say, you know what, I just, I don't, you know, I can't think about that, but I believe. I believe. But, but then, the, later on in life, we do have doubts, right? When God takes us certain directions, we're like, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what that's going to look like. And so, therefore, I'm not. It's hard for me to believe. It's hard for me to take that next step. But, but as we look at today's question, it says, "Why do why do doubts rise in your mind?" the The issue with this whole question can be if we can work through certain doubts, if we can work through certain skepticisms and 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 things like that. It on the backside or on the other side, it can really it can produce an even deeper faith with that we have in our walk with Jesus. And today we're going to take. I want to take a look at that for the one of the, for the last question of this series, and I think all of us, if we would, we could resonate it, resonate with it to a certain degree, but but um, you know it's 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 there. And there's a guy in the Bible. If you've been in church for a while, there's a guy in the Bible. He was one of the disciples. And I bet if I asked the question, who was the doubter in the Bible, you would say Thomas. Now how much have you how much studying have you did on Thomas? Maybe you've read all 12 verses of Thomas, right? Okay. And you did a big study on those 12 verses of Thomas. There's not much there, but Thomas is one of the guys we remember I mean for his, for what he did for doubting. Man, we're locked on that one, right? Doubting Thomas. He was a doubter. I wouldn't have been a doubter. He's a doubter, you know? But I wonder how many of us, you can relate with it, right? How many of us have sat in meetings and we also use that kind of like as a, as kind of a, 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 a uh, where we describe somebody, right? When you're sitting in a meeting and you got someone who wants to go in a different direction, you're like, why are you, why are you such a doubting Thomas? Right? I mean, it, it carries a lot of weight, it seems like. But when we really stop and take a critical look at Thomas, it's kind of profound what takes place. I think sometimes we kind of gloss over that and we kind of miss out on really kind of what happened within this, this whole particular situation. And by actually going through some of these moments of skepticism and doubts, Thomas came on the other side with a huge faith. Absolutely knocked down huge faith. And so I want to take a look at his life, okay? And I want you to, what I want you to do is turn with me to Luke chapter 24. And we're going to look at a few verses in Luke chapter 24 and then we're going to flip over to the book of John or the gospel of John. All right. We'll just take a quick look a little bit more about Thomas and how this story really played out and how it really changed his life. And so, um, so what is taking place now in Luke chapter 24? Jesus just got crucified. Okay. He just got crucified. He they saw him get crucified. They saw him hang on a cross. They saw him die. And guys, by the way, and I know this sounds kind of funny. You've probably studied this before, too. But in the Jewish mindset, if someone was dead for three days, it was considered dead, dead. I know it sounds funny, right? Two days, you weren't really dead. Apparently, if you came back to life after two days, that was, you know, it's like, well, you know, you weren't really dead. Three days was the magic number. If you were dead for three days, you were considered dead dead. Now, you know, what significance does that have? Huge significance. Why do you think Jesus kind of dallied around? Remember when, when Lazarus, his sisters came to him and they sent word, hey, you need to come back and heal our brother Lazarus because he's dying? And the Scripture says that Jesus kind of just intentionally delayed. Why? Probably so, because he, Lazarus died and he had been dead for four days, I believe it was. And so when Jesus went to bring him, from, to recitate him from the dead to life, he was considered dead dead. And so it made the miracle so much bigger. And in this situation, Jesus was dead for how many days? Three days? So he was considered dead. Okay, we're all on the same page, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. He was dead dead, all right? So in Luke 24, we see the disciples kind of huddled around in a, in a room and they begin talking about it. It says, as just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. And he lays out this big statement like this, that says this, peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Okay. Here again, it, it kind of tests their faith, right? they're sitting there they're having these this conversation they're meeting or whatever and the next thing you know jesus is standing there and it's like you know he's like it frightens them okay hey guys let's be real i know we like to take the bible i elevate it too but let's be real here for a second if your aunt sally came back to life after she's been dead dead and you're just sitting there talking one Christmas, and you're remembering these stories, and you're like, "Oh, I was such a great time." Next thing you know, Aunt Sally's standing there talking to you. Would you be afraid? What if Aunt Sally said, "Peace be to you"? Oh, that 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 did it. I'm good now. But but let's face it, they were human, right? They were human, I, you know. And I, I just think sometimes we're like, "Oh, curse those disciples. They should have believed," you know. They were human. And I think in this situation, that was what was taking place, man. The peace be with you, says, and the whole group was startled and frightened that they, they thought they were seeing a ghost. In the next verse, he asked another million-dollar question. Hey, man, why are you so frightened? Oh, I don't know. You just were dead, and now you're alive again? It's kind of scared me, Jesus, you know? And so here they are. And I wonder if Jesus kind of went into this... You know, I think it would have been easy for him to just launch into this huge teaching diatribe and be like, wait a second. You saw me raise people from the dead, right? You saw me call in and bring Lazarus from the dead. You saw me walk on water. You saw me feed thousands of people multiple times. You saw me raise a little girl from the dead. You saw me heal blind people's eyes so they could see again. You saw me... Uh, heal someone that was laying around for 38 years lame and crippled and I healed him you saw me do all these things and he could have went on and on you saw me turn the water into wine you saw me do this 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 and this why on earth would you ever doubt why on earth would you ever be afraid because I told you guys that I was going to come back to life right and they were startled I'm not so sure he launched into all of that but they were startled. You know, I told you it was going to happen. Now what's interesting, there was a disciple that wasn't there. Kind of two disciples, right? But we're going to focus on one. And the one we're going to talk about today is Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. So if we would flip over to John chapter 20, we get a little bit more of this story. John chapter 20, verse 24. We, we discover this. It's, the Bible states it. The Gospel states it. One of the writers, the disciples states it. And in John chapter 20, verse 24, it says this. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, who was nicknamed the twin, which we never call him the twin, right? We call him the Doubting Thomas, right? Who was nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Okay? So he wasn't even there. So then they told him. They go to Thomas and they say, Hey, Thomas, you're not going to believe this one. We saw the Lord. We saw Jesus. We were in a room, and we were sitting there, and we were talking, and the next thing you know, he was standing there. And oh, by the way, Thomas, he didn't ring the doorbell or knock. He was just standing there. And it scared the behoodles out of us, but he was standing there. He's alive. He's like It says, they told him, we have seen the Lord, but look what he says. I won't believe it. I'm not going to believe it. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and I put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound on his side. I think he's saying this. Hey, guys, I want to really believe. Man, I desperately want to believe. But until I see him, because I know I was there. I saw it happen. I saw him be crucified on a cross. I saw him with the nails in his hands. I saw him as he hung there on the cross. And I watched him die. And I saw the blood. I saw it all. I saw him just hang there in agony. And I also saw the time where that Roman soldier came up with the spear, his javelin, and he rammed it into the side of Jesus and all the stuff kind of flowed out. I saw that. Jesus was dead. He was dead. And so weren't our hopes to a certain degree because we had placed such faith in him. He was dead. Man, I want to believe you. I want to believe you, but I'm telling you, unless I see it with my own eyes, unless I can walk up, unless I see those, the, the prints in his hands and I reach out and touch them and I touch that place where that guy rammed that sword, that ja- that that weapon through his spear through his side until i see that i I don't believe i don't believe man i don't believe it thomas was you know and that's where we say well thomas was a doubter i wonder how many of us would be classified as doubters at that point too you know all he was doing i think he was saying that i want to believe I want to believe, I want to believe, but I'm telling you, you're, you're, you're selling me a big one here. And, and yes, I saw all these other things, but, but until I can do those things, and I believe Thomas was that, that was part of his faith where he's saying, you know I want to believe. And I, guys, I'm not so sure it's any different than a lot of us where if we were raised in families, we believed in certain things or we believed certain things, but we really didn't believe in them. Okay? There's something you know, you could probably there's certain points in our lives where our faith becomes ours. You may have been raised in a home where it wasn't taught. And and this whole Christianity thing was just, it wasn't part of your family and it's still not part of your family. But yet you got away from that and someone, some friend, someone reached out to you and they shared with you and they said, this is Jesus. And this is what He can do in your life. And this is what He's done in my life. And, And you believed. And it was yours. It's yours. It's your faith. You believe. And there's others. We may have been raised back here. We may have been raised in our whole family's Christians. They practice, they're, they're, they're not legalistic. They're, they're genuine believers of Jesus Christ. And we were taught and we were raised in a faith. But at some point it wasn't ours until we got away from it. And, and at some point we made it ours. I can, I, that happened to me. I think it happens to every I think it has to happen to every single person. We don't inherit faith. It's ours. We've got to own it to a point where we come to that. We come to that. Each and every person comes to that point that says, Do I believe or don't I believe? Where it's yours. And I think that's where Thomas was at. It's like, you know what? I want to believe. I, I know you guys saw it, but I need to see it for myself. I need to see it. I need for it to be validated within my life. And I believe Thomas was saying, you know what? This is important to me. This is extremely important to me, and I want to know. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's true. And and I'm not calling you guys liars. I'm not calling you guys. I don't think you're stretching the truth or anything like that. I'm just simply saying, I, I need to own this one. I need to know for sure. I want to make it mine to get through what I believe. And I think for some, for some of us, for many of us in here, that directly applies to us at some point in our lives, at some point where we say, this is my faith. I truly believe in this. I truly believe in this. I truly believe in Jesus. I believe in His teachings. By the way, guys, just real quick, we do understand where the word Christian comes from, right? Many of us will say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. That name was a derogatory name. That, didn't come, that name used to be a very derogatory name. It was about people, it's like, well, there goes one of those little Christians, those those individuals that are like little Christ-like people. It was a very derogatory name. But people who call themselves Christians, those of us that say we're Christians, we're followers of Christ, what that truly means is when we look at the Word of God, when we look at the teachings of Jesus Christ, we say, I believe in this. I believe in the teachings of this man. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that He was the Son of God. I believe that He came and He lived a life that was perfect. I believe that He took on human form and He was crucified and He took on my sins and He went back to the Father. He now sits at the right hand of the Father and I believe that. I believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says it's better to pray for my enemy, I pray for my enemies, even though it's hard at times. I believe it because I know that my life is going to be better if I allow these teachings to become me. It's not about, well, here you go. Here's your ticket to heaven. Now off you go until you die. And there's many of us, that's what we do. And we disgrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Gospel is what changes us. We say that we're followers of Jesus. And we do things that He taught, even though it goes upstream against our society and our culture. And we become culture changers like we talked about, I think, last summer. Where we go into our culture and we literally change the culture in which we live in because we are culture changers. That's what it means to be a Christ follower It's none of this, here's your ticket, you get to go to heaven, and you're... The teachings of Jesus is what it's about. And as He takes each of us that have placed our faith and trust in Him, when we take that on and we say, I'm a Christian, and my life is in Christ's hands, and Christ is inside of me, now I'm His." His. What He says goes... I do what he says. He directs my life. And sometimes that's hard. And that's where our faith gets stretched, just like Thomas's. But it comes down to this do we truly believe or don't we truly believe? It's none of this half in, half out stuff. And it's not about us. It's about him receiving his glory. It's always about God. Always. And Thomas was saying, I want to make it mine because this is big stuff. In John 20, if you look at verse 26, look at this this story, and this is where it shifts for Thomas. It says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. And it says the doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he throws it out there again. Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, I love this. What we don't find happen was, we don't find Jesus breaking open the, the, (laughs) laying it down on Thomas. We don't see that. Just like when he went to Peter after Peter. Remember when Peter denied him? And then later on, Jesus encounter or Peter encountered Jesus after the resurrection and Peter kind of or Jesus restored him. It wasn't this this well let me tell you where you've been wrong. Let me tell you where I'm just going to annihilate you because you walked away. But he goes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, come touch my hand. It's me. It's me, Thomas. Come touch my hand. Put your finger in the hole. Come touch my side where that spear went through. Because Thomas, I'm alive. I'm alive. And guys, I want to tell you one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture I think there is in the Bible. In verse 28, Thomas says to Jesus, My Lord, my God. And for some of us sitting here this morning... We need, to touch the, we need to touch the holes. We need to touch the side. And it's time for us to say, My Lord, my God. God, this isn't about me. This is about You. This is about my life being consumed by You so that You can bring glory to Yourself through me. Because You're my Lord and You're my God. What a powerful Verse. Or someone believes. They are literally. their fa- The foundation of his beliefs. Are absolutely rocked. It became personal. It became his. And that's the difference. Between just belie- believing in and believing. That's when it becomes. Absolutely. Who we are. And throughout scripture. You see men and women. Having that same experience with Jesus. And guys. That movement has not stopped that movement has been happening year after year at thousands of years until present day where there are people sitting in here where we have placed our faith in the God into Jesus where we've said my Lord and my God and because of that Jesus has rocked your world Jesus has changed your world Jesus has literally transformed you Jesus continues to transform you Jesus continues to use you in situations that's going to bring Him glory and not just not you, but Him glory. And when we move ourselves out of the center of everything and place God where He belongs at the center of this universe and the center of our hearts and lives, God is going to get His glory. That's what it's all about. It's never been about us per se. It's about God receiving His glory. And that's what happens when we place our complete faith and implicit trust in Him. He takes our lives and He brings Himself glory through it. I'm not so sure it gets any better when you have people come up on this stage or people that you know in your life that Jesus has literally rocked their world where they've walked away from sin. Where they've walked away from things that were just absolutely destructive within their lives and they took their lives and they they repented of it and confessed it to Jesus and He took it and He turned it and He used it to bring Himself glory. I don't think it gets any better than that. Where it just right before your eyes, Jesus takes a life and literally turns it upside down. That's worth celebrating. I pray that... As we went through this series, the counselor, that you engage with each of these questions. Right now, in the next few moments, we're going to spend some time taking communion. This is where, if you're part of, you don't have to be a member or a part of element per se to take communion. This is for, this is a celebration for individuals that have said, My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. And you have a deep personal relationship, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this is for. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're not part of our church, but you're just whatever you're visiting or whatever whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you're part of the family of God where, where you totally believe and He has your life in His hands, this is for you. And I want you to come here in a few moments as we, as we begin to have a couple songs. I want you to come and I want you to celebrate in that. I want you to celebrate it to say, I'm not, and, and think about those questions. What do I have to be afraid of? What do I have to doubt? What do I have? Do I I truly believe in You, Jesus? Personally, corporately, I believe in everything about You. I believe in what You want to do in and through me, in and through our church. I believe in You implicitly. And I want you to just celebrate that life that you have in Jesus Christ. I believe. I believe. And so, here here in a few moments, I want you to do that. I'm going to ask you to just stand and let me lead us into a word of prayer. If you don't have a faith, if you don't have... A relationship with Jesus, beauty of it is that he's there passionately pursuing you. We were getting ready for the service this morning in, in at the Adrian campus, and um Alicia is the is the leads worship there and she wanted to have a small devotion which was very powerful and she she was talking about the grace of God overcoming everything within our lives. Literally overcoming shame, guilt, whatever it's we've done in our lives, just the, the power of God, the the power of God, the power of His Spirit that just overcomes regardless of what we have in our past. This past week in class, we were in my classes that I'm in right now, we were talking about that and uh, our professor was telling us about, she, she this is a true story and it's very interesting, but she was talking about counseling a few individuals that had been witches. And it walked away from it, which apparently there's a process of that, of how you do that. But they walked away from it. But as she was counseling them, she, one of this, and I believe it was a, a, a male, which would have been a warlock or whatever, that walked away from it. But he said this. He said that there was a time he was trying to cast a spell on a Christian. And apparently, I mean, he began to describe this, this, this whole experience. And it's, it was pretty, it's pretty, <laughs> kind of gets your hairs up when you start listening to this. And he was talking about wanting to cast a spell on this Christian, this Christ follower. And he told my professor, who was the count, his counselor at the time, he said this, I couldn't do it. As hard as I tried, I could not break through a certain wall. And he began to describe some things that he saw and one of the things he said that he saw was this kind of like this bright light. And he said, I could not break through it. You and I know what that is. That's the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus, that Paul talked about when he said that that's the Spirit that lives inside of each and every one of us. That's that dynamite power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That guy went on to say this. If Christians only knew the power that they possess, the world could not stop it. If Christians knew the power that they possess, there's not a force in this world that could stop them. Do you believe that? Because to me that's what it's all about. That is the power of Christ living inside of us that's saying, do you believe? We're going to, we're going to bring God glory. I pray that if you're not a Christian, that is what Jesus is offering you here this morning. He's passionately pursuing you. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean that we're condoning it. It just simply means there's nothing that can trump His power. And that He's passionately pursuing you for this love relationship to be a part of His family. And you too could come and celebrate this morning in that. So I don't know where you are on your journey with Christ. But I'm going to lead us into a word of prayer. And I pray that you would just pray. I don't care if you've been following Jesus for a thousand years. Where are you at? Where are you at? Jesus, we just come to you right now. And we just want to give you glory. God, we just give you incredible awe. Of how powerful you are. And this immense love that you have for us. And, and the and the protection that you give us, in this, and this, and and even beyond that, this this passionate love that you constantly pursue us with, regardless of whether a believer or not, you continue to pursue us believers as sometimes we get kind of derailed. But yet you're out there pursuing the ones who who may be doing things that you absolutely hate. You're pursuing them with this love relationship, and all they have to do is turn around, and you're going to be standing right there with your arms wide open. Father, you know that there are individuals in this room right now that need a touch from you, believers and unbelievers. And I pray right now your spirit would have the freedom to come in this place and overwhelm each and every one of us with your power and your spirit. And here as we celebrate communion, would you let it be just that, the sense of awesome celebration. And just acknowledging once again, we believe. We believe. And I pray all this in the power of Jesus, of your, of your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, would you come here as the band begins to play and participate in communion?